Clear prop. Star 73 is Cherokee, number two, following twin traffic, three mile final. There's something One trailer Bravo, Rakesford in runway 25, going uh, four mile final. This is Behind the Prop with United Flight Systems owner and licensed pilot Bobby Doss and his co host, major airline captain and designated pilot examiner Wally Mulhern. Now let's go Behind the Prop. What's up, Wally? Hey, Bobby, how are you? I am fantastic as always. This week has been a big week. Uh, we just had our big open house yesterday. Uh, lots of people came, and this show will be released tomorrow on Monday. I talked to many people, had many people ask a bunch of different questions, and we couldn't record everything that somebody everybody brought up. But uh, we're going to record a show today on some timely stuff that's kind of happened. Uh, we've heard about it, and Wally's experienced some of it on check rides. And it's all about fueling and fuel we talk about fuel a lot because it is extremely important in general aviation or all aviation and uh we're going to talk about a bunch of different stuff today quick overview of the outline that we're going to talk about we're going to go through really how to fuel yourself do it yourself fueling we're going to talk about something and what we're looking for and what we need to check for and we're going to go back to some basics on taxiing and ground operations to save you some time and fuel top three techniques to maybe save you some time or maybe mostly fuel in the air computing fuel and distance uh, and time if you're taking a check ride or doing a flight with the family some leaning techniques in the air briefly talk about lean of peak and fuel ejected aircraft and then wrap up with a conversation about personal minimums so Wally, you say it all the time. Can you repeat what the top five most important things are in flying? Yeah, I I like to say there's there's five distinct different things, and uh, number one is fuel. Um, number two is fuel. Number three is fuel. Number four is fuel, and everybody, what is number five? You guessed it, fuel. fuel. Fuel is the one thing that we cannot fly without, okay? Um, we can fly without electricity. We can fly without an engine for a little while. <laughs> um, but if, if we don't have fuel, that, that airplane is not going to fly. Um, uh, you know, we're, we're going down. So um, it's pretty important, very important. I'm, I'm sure I've said this on the show many times, but my first time to ever fuel was all by myself in a remote location, and it was without an instructor. I didn't have the luxury of uh, getting an instructor to show me, and I preach it a lot uh, with the team today that they, they should be teaching people how to fuel aircraft. They need to know how to use the systems at a remote airport. It's such a slippery, slippery slope that we don't, that we don't know how to do it, that we might not do it because we don't know how to do it. We don't want to be embarrassed. And um, it's not that difficult. If if you own an, a, a gasoline vehicle, you've, you've gotten gas at the pump many, many times, and it's really similar. It's just the configuration of a plane next to some fuel pumps is probably a little different. Um, but let's talk through the key elements uh, of getting fuel at my flight school, it's we got fuel service, but I think I think we should 
try to do self-service during your training, uh, I think the biggest first step to fueling, uh, to getting fuel at a remote airport or somewhere with fuel pumps is to make sure that you approach the fueling area safely, right? And you watch the wingtips. There's probably stuff everywhere. Yeah. And if you've ever watched someone fuel a plane, they have this magical little clip that they always clip onto something. That that clip is connected to a wire, and that's really a grounding wire uh, to make sure that there's not an inadvertent spark or something happen um, when they put the nozzle of the fuel into the plane or, or vice versa from static electricity. We don't want any sparking happening. Um, and then there's this big nozzle and I think people that maybe have never fueled a plane before, you can't, can't let that thing rest in a fuel tank of an aircraft. Right. Um, right. Right. I don't know when the last time you fueled a, a high wing was Wally, but you know, you got a, you got a 30, 40 foot hose. that has got a lot of weight full of fuel. You got this probably five to seven pound fuel nozzle, and you don't want it to crank and bend the inlet of that fuel. Uh, maybe the cap can't get back on. Maybe you create a small crack that creates a small fuel leak. You've got to be really, really careful and probably, no question, need a ladder to be able to see in that fuel tank so you don't spill a bunch of fuel out over the, the wing when you finish your fueling. Um, and then I think, it, it's, it is remembering to replace the fuel caps. You're probably not going to have the nozzle, the, the, the hose, the fuel cap all in your hand and be able to magically pull the nozzle out, put the fuel cap back on. There has to be a real effort to make sure you get those fuel caps back on and make sure they're snug and tight and then put the hose back up. Most, I would think most airports would have a an electronic reel that would reel in the hose but if not you're gonna have to hand crank it and uh get that hose back on the reel and then pay for the fuel probably at an electronic push pin pad some sort that takes credit cards um and then remove the ground clip and make sure you check both fuel caps for sure what's the next last thing that you should do if you ever put fuel in a plane wally yeah, well, well. Before we want to get in into that, um, uh, I want to uh, just echo what you said, Bobby. I mean, uh, I my first job in aviation was as as alignment fueling airplanes. So when I got into back into general aviation, it it I didn't even think that this was something that I needed to teach to my daughters. Um, but then all of a sudden I realized, well, geez, they've never done this before. So, yeah, it is something I have to. It was just kind of something that I assumed. And you know what, you, what happens when you assume. So to all the CFIs, yes, this is something that needs to be taught to your students. So please, please do this. I have heard horror stories of students stopping somewhere on a cross country and they needed fuel and their only option was self-serve fuel, and they didn't know how to do it, so they just bypassed getting fuel and came home. And and the 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 cases I've heard, I've heard of this multiple times. They've always made it home, but they came home with a whole lot less fuel in the tanks than they they um, should have. So uh, this this is absolutely critical, um, really. And well, fueling- I know of a couple of tragedies too where. The fuel didn't get done, 
Um, one story I heard, and there's an NTSB report about it, that the pilot was offered a fuel full fueling fee and said no, and because of that fueling fee, didn't have enough fuel to come home uh, for for fuel full service. Right? We just got to get the fuel. You got to have the fuel to be able to make your destination and then have your reserves. Yeah, yeah, and and fueling a high wing airplane can be a cumbersome operation. Uh, if you have two people, it it really makes uh, makes life easier. Somebody can get up on the ladder. Someone can hand them the 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 fuel uh, hose, or and and vice versa. They can hand it back down to you. And and uh, but you know, solo cross country, you're you're solo. So you might be doing this by yourself. So this is uh, this is so critical to the CFIs. And you gotta, as you talked about the fuel fee you got to make sure you got a credit card to pay for it and uh, um, or a debit card or, or whatever because a lot of these small airports, uh, you know, you, you can't go in and pay cash or write a check or whatever. Um, you know, all it is is a, a self-serve machine, just like most of us use to, to fill our cars up. One thing I will say about doing this is is to be courteous, just like – you know, if I go to the local uh, convenience store and I put gas in my car and then I decide to go in and go get a, a Coke and something to eat, um, you know, I look around. And if there's lines of cars waiting to get up there to get filled up, I move my car to a different parking spot. Um, and most of these smaller airports, there's only room for one airplane at the fuel pump. So if you fuel and then... Uh, you're going to go and use the restroom and rest for a while, get, file a flight plan, call the weather briefer, look around. And if you've got other airplanes coming in and it's a busy airport, get the airplane out of the way of the fueling, uh, the fuel pump, and then um, uh, go do your, your resting or whatever you need to do. But back to your original that one time that I That one time that I did get fuel, I, I didn't understand why this helicopter was hovering it was literally three feet off the ground watching me get fuel. And I, it was, it was a really small airport. And so he was over the grass and I was like, what is this guy doing? It was making me feel pressure. And I finished and the, this lady walked out of a, like a mobile home and she goes, he, he wants you to move is what he, he's waiting to get gas too. So it might not just be an airplane that's waiting. Uh, I right. found it very awkward that that guy was sitting there with that helicopter running. So, be courteous, as Wally said, for sure. Yeah, yeah. So uh, your, your original question is, what now? Okay, so we filled the airplane up. We've put the, the hose away. We've unhooked the ground. We've got our credit card receipt. We're looking at the amount that fuel costs, and um, our blood pressure goes up, and it's finally settled down. So now we've put a bunch of fuel in our airplane. Now we want to make sure that we've really put fuel in the airplane. So what am I saying? This is we're gonna we're gonna make sure we didn't just fill our airplane up with water. And um, you know, in a nutshell, that's what we're doing by something the airplane, making sure the fuel is is pretty good. What I like to do is is if I am, you know, in the scenario I gave where we're gonna fill the airplane. Now we're gonna go into the the FBO or whatever it is, we're going to use the restroom, we're going to grab a drink, uh, we're going to file our flight plan, we're going to call the weather briefer. I like to fuel the airplane, then go do all that, and then come back 
and sump the tanks. Give it, give the fuel. And I don't know how long. I, I, I don't know. I mean, uh, somebody could probably tell me it takes 20 seconds. I don't know how long it takes if there's water in the fuel for all that to settle in the bottom of the tanks. I, I would suspect that it's pretty quick. Um, but uh, we definitely need to sump the tanks. Yep, and it's not just the water. We're looking for some impurities, right? They could yeah. have had yeah. somebody could have done some heinous to that fuel pump, right? Someone could have taken the cap off the in-ground tank and dumped some sugar or sand or whatever. You don't want any part of that for sure, and so you're you're not trusting anybody. You're not trusting it because it's an airport with a fuel tank. You're gonna you're gonna challenge it in every sump. Uh, and make sure there's nothing in there that's going to cause you any issues. I I will tell a story about flying uh, with my father. This would have been back in the 1960s in a Beechcraft Queen Air. Um, we went somewhere from White Plains, New York, to uh, somewhere in upstate New York. I want to say it was Poughkeepsie, New York. Uh, but I, I don't really remember. But I remember this vividly. I remember the guy coming out and fueling the airplane. And after he fueled it, my father went over and he sumped the tanks. And the guy, he was an elderly gentleman, uh, he, he looked at me and he said, you know why your father's doing that? And I, I looked at him and I said, no. And he said, because he doesn't trust me. And for, for a brief time, it was very awkward. You know, he's telling me that my father doesn't trust him. And then he looked at me and he said, and he shouldn't trust me. That came from the fueler. He said, and he shouldn't trust me. And then I kind of went, oh, okay, everything's okay. I was probably a seven-year-old at the time when this happened. So this was... It was a long time ago. It was a long, long time ago. But, yeah. Yeah, and I tell people all the time in, in our orientations and onboarding with students, my instructors are going to check the fuel and the oil no matter what every time they get in an aircraft. It's a, it's part of our SOPs. And the fact of the matter is I tell them you shouldn't trust the instructor and the instructor shouldn't trust you. And it's not a it's not a indictment. It's just a fact of life we make mistakes and you just should never take any chances with fuel and that's kind of the theme of today for sure yeah absolutely so once we've sumped it we know we're good i think there's some tips and tricks for on the ground and i i i think i've thought this i think wally and i have both thought this but we've we've never seen it written down and i i read an article on the aopa website uh which i thought was interesting and it was really about don't leave fuel on the ground and the thought process is you know if you can if you have room put the fuel in your tanks but it's also a byline of that article that says don't burn a lot of extra fuel on the ground so you want to try to be expeditious in your ground operations for more than one reason than just the fuel but you definitely don't want to sit on the ground and think you're using the poh amount uh, whatever that poh amount is for taxi takeoff and landing and spend an extra 30 minutes running the aircraft and burning another three or four gallons of fuel. So, uh, I guess the, the tip would be, be expeditious. Wally, how many extra minutes do you think you spend in the cockpit with the engine running that maybe you shouldn't if you, on your check rides? 
Oh, on the on check rides, there's a lot, a lot. Um, you know, uh, and I think a lot of it may be nerves, and so the the, the applicant wants to do that checklist maybe seventeen times with me there rather than one time. Um, I'm being a little facetious with that, but um, uh, you know, have your plan, and, and you know, something the, all the aircraft POHs have a set amount of fuel for a taxi, but it's a function of time. You know, how can you say, well, we're going to be burn 1.4 gallons for taxi? Well, if you're located right at the departure end of the, the runway, an uncontrolled airport, and, and the, the, the engine's warm, and, you know, maybe, maybe you burn a half gallon, but uh, you're at a busy airport with lots of traffic, and it takes you... 45 minutes to get off the ground uh, maybe I, I don't know maybe maybe you're burning more I don't know so that number of 1.4 gallon or whatever the POH says uh, it's a guess it's an educated guess by the manufacturer and it's it's probably pretty close but um, just keep that in mind yep no doubt so save that fuel on the ground and then there's ways we can save fuel in the air uh, I can remember as a student really never being taught much about the rev knob. Uh, that'd be the mixture control in most of these single-engine aircraft. And I think leaning really anywhere where it makes sense makes makes a lot of sense. I think leaning on the ground when you are taxing is a, is a huge advantage to saving fuel and prevents some carbon buildup and maybe other issues in that engine. But leaning in the air... Uh, most POHs say at 3,000 feet, uh, lean as needed or as appropriate. And that is probably sea level in Houston most days, Wally. Would you agree? Yeah, absolutely. So it's a, it's 95 degrees in Houston, uh, hot and humid day. I would bet pressure altitude is probably somewhere between 25 and 3,000. It's not going to take much um, elevation or altitude to get to a point where it's going to make sense to, to lean the engine as well and save some of that fuel. Right. Maybe not when you're practicing maneuvers, ground reference maneuvers at, at 2,500 or 3,000 feet, but again, pressure altitude. But the thought process is if I'm trying to get to Austin and I've got my family of four in that aircraft, I would like to land with absolutely as much fuel as I possibly can by design, uh, not by accident, right? So I want to lean that aircraft uh, I think the second tip of in the air that I didn't learn till my commercial days was really economy cruise, right? Right. In most cases, economy cruise with a good lean setting will probably save you about a third of your fuel burn. And you probably lose, let's call it five knots of airspeed for 20% of fuel value, right? And over right. an hour to, to uh, Austin for me, that could be a couple of gallons. I would rather have those gallons, both for money reasons, right, to save save that twelve bucks uh, in today's fuel prices, or uh, to just make sure I have some if they make me go around, or there's something on the ground that prevents me from landing there, and I got to go a little further or go back somewhere and come up a little shorter. So, um, and then I will say I had a good instructor for my multi-engine training, and he taught me to. To, to send like a commercial pilot and a lot of it has to do with use use no no fuel and 
probably ex- expend all that energy you have from climbing all that way up there. So if I'm at 5,500 feet, there shouldn't be no power in there, and I should be descending uh, at a rate that uses all the energy that I've already put into the aircraft by climbing that high. So cruise descent should be calculated. You should know what you want to do, and it should be really uh, all the energy you have in the aircraft without a lot of power, meaning not spending a lot of fuel on the way down as well. Yeah, I think... Yeah, I would I would venture to say that most of our uh, uh, my private pilot um, applicants um, their their energy management is is not the greatest. Um, I remember my father telling me uh, in our Cherokee 140 that I had uh, as a private pilot. Um, uh, he's he said to me, "You shouldn't ever touch the flaps unless the power is at idle." You know, he's thinking, mm-hmm. well, and, you know, there's, there's, that's, that's not a, uh, an absolute, but, you know, why are we on downwind at 2,300 RPM and putting a notch of flaps in to help slow us down? Well, why not just pull the power back? <laughs> leave the flaps, mm-hmm. leave the flaps up. So, uh, you know, that, that's kind of getting into the finer things of, of energy management and um that sort of thing but um uh you know the other thing is health of the engine uh we we need to give the engine the proper amount of fuel and just to be dumping a whole bunch of fuel in there is is not really good for the engine it, you know it's like a highly trained athlete going through uh um uh, you know in a training regime they may be eating five six seven eight thousand calories a day um, and if, you know, if, if you and I did that, we'd look like a, the Goodyear blimp really, really quick. Yes. Yes. No question. Uh, I, I guess I should exercise is what you're saying, but I hear you. I'll work well, on that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so we talked about ways to save fuel. Uh, I think you need to know how much fuel you're going to burn. Right. And we've talked about this a few times, but there's a distance measurement that I think that's all I thought about when I was driving cars and became a pilot. I didn't, I didn't know that we only talked in the terms of time, but we have to know how far we're going and at what speed we're going to be able to go so we can calculate the time. And once we have the time, we, we can then make some really good calculations on how much fuel we're going to burn to travel that ultimate distance. Right. Yeah. And, uh, I, I know there's a lot of rule of thumbs. I know you want rule of thumbs, but also want accuracy as well. What are your thoughts on how we take and calculate the the fuel we need to go that time? Well, I, I, I hear all the time, you know, I'll say, okay, well, uh, how long is it going to take us to go from here to there? And the applicant may say, uh, it's going to take us two hours and uh, 29 minutes. I go, okay, good. That that sounds reasonable. And I'll say, how much fuel are we going to burn? They'll say 24.9 gallons or 25 gallons. I'll say, okay, all right. Uh, so how much fuel are we going to land with? And, well, you know, if we're in a Piper Warrior, they'll say we're going to land with 23 gallons. I say, okay, that, that sounds good. And I said, uh, how did you come up with that fuel burn? That, that rate of fuel burn. And I saw, oh, well, that's just what we use. 
And I'll say, well, okay, how did we come up with that? Well, that's what my CFI said. And um, then we'll dig into it. We'll get into the book. And, um, and you know, the, the word is out there that the applicants are, are actually doing a much better job. This was kind of the, the norm maybe six years ago. Uh, now they're pretty good. They'll, they'll come back and say, well, the, the actual fuel burn is 8.2 gallons per hour, and here it is in the chart. This is how it works or, or whatever, whatever the number is. But um, I'll just I use 10 gallons per hour. And there's, there's pros and cons of that. That's, that's like saying, well, I think uh, the Happy Meal or the, the value meal at XYZ hamburger joint is 850, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna put ten dollars in my pocket. That's probably a good idea. Um, but we may get to the point where we're a little bit overweight. Okay, we're 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 15 pounds overweight. Can we afford to take two gallons of fuel off the airplane to get to where we're now one one pound underweight? And uh, you know, we may get down to the where we need to have the exact numbers. So we need to be able to figure that out. We need to be able to calculate it. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a fan of 10 because it's good mental math. But at the same time, before we started recording, we did some POH looking. And um, you say Warrior, I say Cessna. But in a Cessna 172P model, um, at 6,000 feet pressure altitude, the, the the math is really a much smaller number. It's you know that cruise performance. We'll call it twenty three hundred RPMs. We're only burning six point four gallons of fuel, and that's a much smaller number than ten. If you say right. ten and you take away, well, you say a hundred, you take away thirty six. That's more than a third over guessing, yeah. right? I think yeah. everyone's going to claim personal minimums. Well, hey, I'm I'm doing that for my own personal minimums to pad it, to pad it. Well, yeah. then maybe we can't take the dog. Maybe we can't take a passenger. Maybe we can't take that other bag. Um, it does make sense to know the performance charts. I think all POHs after 1980, it's cha- uh, section five of your POH. You can quickly uh, thumb through those, do some fuel calculating. There's a climb calculation chart on the page before the cruise calculation chart and you really should just know your numbers uh yeah it's gonna yeah it's gonna make you feel more confident and it's gonna make you a better pilot yeah absolutely i mean uh and and especially uh you know a commercial pilot applicant i mean we ought to be able to zero in on these numbers and be pretty darn close and i think i think it's a great idea for you to to say okay i'm gonna burn x amount of gallons on this flight when you get to your destination and you fuel it up see how close you are because now Mm -hmm. that's going to give you either confidence or non-confidence in the airplane's poh and if it's way off uh you should probably start investigating why is it going you know i was supposed to burn you know 24 gallons on this flight and i burned 32 something something's not right that's a 33 no question error. and i think yeah some of the digital stuff maybe gives us too much information at times because we we start to recognize that fuel burn is not equal on both sides it's still a vented fuel system so maybe a vent problem could be a 
a flow problem. Could be a lot of things, but we probably rarely check our non-digital uh, aircraft to know really did we did we burn five gallon if we had the if we had it on both in a one seventy two, did we really burn five gallons out of each side when we were expecting to burn ten gallons? And if not, that's an issue. Maybe we have a a, a gasket on a fuel cap that's loose and we're losing fuel the other direction. That could be really a slippery right. slope if you uh, go on a long trip and don't do the math just right. So make sure yeah. you do dipstick those tanks and that you maybe even before you fuel them so that you know that you burnt exactly what you were expecting to burn. It's going to make you a much better pilot. Yeah. If you have a fuel yeah, and aircraft, I, you might go ahead. No, as I was going to say, most of us, you know, are probably renting airplanes and you, you go out to the flight line and it's full. You, and you, you go out and you fly for an hour and a half, you come back and, and you don't, we don't really monitor it. Um, um, so if you are in a cross country, this is a really good time to monitor it. And, you know, if, if something seems fishy, write it up, let the flight school know, Hey, mm-hmm. I, I just went on a, a, a two hour flight and burned, uh, you know, excessive fuel. Um, and you know, let them investigate that. No doubt. I would want to know that. So please do that for sure. I was going to say, if you're uh, flying a fuel injected aircraft and you have some good systems, uh, operating your plane lean of peak is something you may want to consider. I wouldn't do it if you didn't read the POH or didn't read their manuals on how to use that feature or functionality of that aircraft if you have the right equipment. Um, but running at lean of peak, uh, I believe, is something Mike Bush would support, uh, what I would call a famous aviation mechanic. And others would support running lean of peak as well, not just for the fuel burn, but for the the way that it's going to help the engine perform as well. Uh, All ways to save you fuel in the air uh, to hopefully get to your destination with as much fuel in in your tanks and as much money in your wallet as possible. Wally, let's close out with some personal minimum stuff on fuel. Uh, I think everyone kind of defaults to the hour. Uh, our rule, right? At that VFR day is 30 minutes, nights 45, IFR is 45, but we all say an hour. Is that something you agree with? Um, yeah, I, I'm. I, it just depends. Uh, boy, that, that that's a tough one. Um, I'll hear a lot of people say 30 minutes more than the minimum. So a lot of people will say hour 15 at night, um, an hour during the day. We're talking about VFR um, uh, rules here. Um, all I got to say is, is um, you know, when, if I'm in an airplane that's, um, let's say, a Piper Warrior, um, if I'm fueling it up and I'm putting 40 gallons in the airplane, um I'm having a oh my gosh moment. Um, having said that, having said that, I fly a triple seven, and landing with an hour and an hour fifteen minutes worth of fuel is um, is pretty standard. Um, you know, hour and a half uh, in, in that range. So uh, you know, I do it in a big airplane. Um, just know that you 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 just keep your options open. Hey, I'm I'm going back here, and um, you know, minutes is fuel. Don't you know? Don't think of fuel as gallons. Think of fuel as minutes. How much fuel does my airplane hold? 
it holds 300 minutes worth of fuel or, or whatever, 240 minutes. Think of fuel as minutes because now we're flying along and it's supposed to take us an hour to go from here to there. Now it took us an hour and 15. It took us 75 minutes rather than 60 minutes. Well, now we have less fuel in the tank. So uh, just think of fuel as minutes. Yeah, that's a great tip because um, it could be a point in your future where every minute counts and you're hopefully we don't any of us get to that point. But I guarantee you, if it got to that point for me, I'd like to have 30 more minutes of fuel instead of three more minutes of fuel. No question. There's an old saying, better to be on the ground wishing you were in the air than to be in the air wishing you were on the ground. And uh, I've, I'm on the ground all the time wishing I was in the air, but um, I mean, almost daily. But there have been a few times where I've been in the air wishing I was on the ground, and that is a really, really bad feeling. So far, I haven't had to feel that way yet, and hopefully I won't. Uh, as, as all of you listen to the show, we hope that uh, you get some tips and tricks out of today's episode as you put fuel in your plane. Uh, make sure it's clean and free of water and stay behind the prop. Thanks for checking out the Behind the Prop podcast. Be sure to click subscribe and check us out online at BehindTheProp.com. Behind the Prop is recorded in Houston, Texas. Creator and host is Bobby Doss. Co-host is Wally Mulhern. The show is for entertainment purposes only and is not meant to replace actual flight instruction. Thanks for listening and remember, fly safe.